0: And welcome to the Resin Jack Podcast, where I bring you all things resin flooring straight to your ears. In today's episode, we're going to talk about infilling control joints. Now, this particular post uh, is not the only post that's ever been done on this topic, or certainly not the only post that I've done on this topic. But this is a this is a quite a specific uh, example. And therefore, has attracted a a smaller number of contributions or, or thoughts, um, but well worth going through and uh, and also describing, uh, you know, what what the scenario is all about. And the photo itself is quite intriguing, which is why I, I first posted it because it's there, there's a um, a cross which is made up of expansion joints in the slab. This is in the middle of a garage floor, a larger garage floor. And there is, um, I guess, an expansion joint, sorry, and a control joint running east, west, and north, south. And interestingly enough, in this photo, it looks like the north-south control joint has been filled and yet the east-west has not been filled. You can see it's a flake floor. The glare shows you that the subfloor isn't particularly flat. It hasn't been ground flat. So uh, I think that the standard of the concrete is a bit ordinary, and we'll touch on that in in the comments section. My question on this post was to take a look at the photo of this garage floor it appears as though the installer infilled one control joint but not the other. What are your thoughts when it comes to control joints in a garage? What else do you notice that you might do differently? So you can see how even though we've done other posts on uh, control joints this is one that's quite specific to a garage and it. the points raised will be more in line with, with what the expectations are in this type of setting. And I will add also, um, I, was sent, I was sent a photo from an installer and I'll put that into the post on site, on the website, and you can have a look at this photo. You'll want to have a look at this photo because I don't think I've ever quite seen anything quite like it. It's where an installer has has put down a flake floor and has done their own control joint where they felt it should be running. And there's actually a crack in the floor where they have infilled. So quite intriguing. I never thought I'd quite seen it and I thank uh, Alexander for sending that in. But for now, let's get stuck into these comments. And I dare say there'll be a bit of uh, infill from myself as we go through it. The first comment comes from Alex Strader. He's tech support at Concrete Polishing and Prep Solutions in Delaware, USA. He's had a, a background covering all aspects of flooring um, and has spent the last year focusing in on the polishing sector. Now, Alex's Comment is, if I'm going to fill them, I'm using something that has some flex like polyurea. In this case, make a decision and commit though. Either fill them or don't fill them. In brackets, I suppose customer could have asked to fill some and not others. Close brackets. It is 2021 after all. People are into strange things. Um, my response is, thank you, Alex, for your comment. I did think it was an interesting scenario where one joint was filled and the other not. I agree with the flexible corking and also agree that we are living in strange times. Now, we'll just sort of expanding out that a little bit. Um, flexible sealants, I'm, I'm not too familiar with pourable or corking flexible sealants that are polyureas. So Alex may well know something quite specific there, but in my scenario, in my sort of way of thinking, if I'm going to cork something, I'm going to have probably a one-component product. It'll be moisture cured. It could be two-component, but they tend to be quite low viscosity. And polyureas, from my experience, tend to be quite low viscosity. So maybe he's thinking of a pourable type that you then cut flush afterwards. I'm not like you see a lot of those in warehouse expansion joints um, where they use a blade afterwards to cut it. I don't quite know how you would do that in this instance because it's a flake floor. But um, I'm certainly not discounting the comment or the question uh, or the the point raised. Um, It would be great to flesh that one out a little bit. The next comment comes from Joseph Beamer. Um, bear with me a moment. Yes, sorry, Joseph Beamer. He's a sales rep, California, USA. Educated in marketing and management, and spent his working life selling building products uh, or building materials. His comment is to cut a straight line expansion joint. It looks wavy like the guy didn't bother to snap a chalk line first and eyeball it. Uh, My response is good pickup, Joe. Although it is not that clear in the photo, I think the joint you're referring to was formed at the time of concrete placement. You you could certainly offer the client to infill with an an epoxy mortar and recut a straight line. But for a garage, I would not be surprised if the client accepts the wavy joint. I think uh, I made a comment at the start of the post that the slab looks a bit ordinary in the sense that when you look at the photo you can see that there are some some uh, hollows and yep Joe's point uh, Joseph's point is exactly right that it's pretty ordinary finishing this this particular control joint. Now it's definitely not an expansion joint in in the way that it's formed but it, it kind of looks like they have they have made the the or shaped rounded the edges of it during the pour it's kind of what it looks like it doesn't look like a saw cut well it's not a clean saw cut so it's a bit hard to tell um but nonetheless his point is is about it would look much better if it was straight i agree i don't know about a a garage the the homeowner would have to be pretty fussy in a garage but i've certainly been involved with residential uh, interior control joints and also a lot of retail and commercial where we have decided to infill them and recut them straight so they look sharp And rather than have that sort of rounded edge, which is always a bit hard to to make look tidy, these end up with a nice, neat square edge, and it looks very professional. The next comment is from Tyler Smith. He's a consultant with Garage Kings in Ohio, USA. And his, uh, his profile reads, I am contracted area sales coding specialist for the best and most experienced concrete coding company in the area. He's been at it a few years. Um, and so he, he would certainly have seen things and the company is very much um, about garages. So he would certainly have seen this type of scenario. And his comment is I always base it on the age of the house if the house is older and they are already cracked already cracked in cracked in them I say to fill them they are only collecting dirt at that point if it's a newer build then I leave them I respond I like your thought process Tyler I'm assuming the crack is not dynamic as for leaving leaving them do you still like to cork them with a flexible sealer when the floor is finished and Tyler replies, if there's cracking inside the control joint, then no, we don't fill it. We just coat down into it if the customer doesn't want them filled. Now, that, it raises a point that I, I've seen in the US in particular, I see a lot of uh, expansion joints in slabs, and that might be because of the, the climatic conditions where you have freeze thaws or you have extremes in your temperatures. Uh, in Australia, we don't seem to see a lot of joints and expansion joints in garages uh, or even control joints for that matter. They're, they'll cut them every six metres, but in garages, they'll try to leave them I- intact so that your six-by-six-metre slab or 36-square-metre double garage doesn't tend to have these sorts of either expansion or control joints put in them. Um now Tyler raises an interesting point about the age of the house and um, I guess his point is that if I'll just read it again, if it's an older house and they're already cracked, then I say to fill them they're only collecting dirt at that point if it's a newer build, then I leave them so if it's already cracked, he's saying that it's probably moved and it's done its movement and um, and therefore he's happy to infill it. If it's a newer build, then it's unlikely that it's settled enough and he will um, not infill the the control joint. As for, um, and he does also make the point that he raises it with the customer. So obviously I, I like to educate the client on what the options are, the good. tell me the good, the bad, the ugly, and let me decide. And I think that's what he's sort of discussing there too, where he says, um, he, you know, if the customer doesn't want it filled, then he won't fill it. So a lot of, particularly residential customers, are looking for a seamless floor. They, they don't want to see expansion joints, and particularly not if it's an ugly expansion joint or control joint. So they they're quite willing to take the risk of infilling a control joint, not an expansion joint, but infilling a control joint and hope that it doesn't crack. And particularly if it's an older slab, then there's you know there's less and less chance, particularly if there's no crack in the um, control joint, then there's less risk of the infill. Uh, actually showing a micro crack. Again, part of the education process and um, perhaps limited to garages. It's a very specific post on garages, this one. The next comment comes from Drew Smith. He's a business owner of OCD Concrete Coatings in San Diego, USA. I mentioned San Diego because I love that spot. I didn't just say California. (laughs) With uh, over 20 years in the concrete coatings industry, I've learned a lot from failures and turned those failures into, into successes. Without failure, we cannot achieve success. I took that statement out of his profile because I think that is so accurate. Um, we have this, this um, thought that failures are bad, that failures means that you've it, it's a disaster or that you've you've done you've done wrong and it you should be ashamed of what you've done. And yet everything that we learn is really from a failure. It's it's a lesson learned. So I like the fact that he's he's gone to that point of saying that without failure we cannot achieve success. Um Perhaps re- redefining failure in our industry would be beneficial because we, we, we have so much to learn. And how else do you learn if it's not from other people sharing their information, from doing training and education or from doing things a certain way because you, you couldn't find that information and learning from it and realising there's a better way. Now, back to Drew's comment. Uh, I won't fill them. They're there for a reason. I've seen too many failures due to people filling them. They're meant to allow movement, so let them move. I reply, thanks for your input, Drew. I realize there could be a bit of difference in the interpretation of name I use for these joints. The photo looks to have one control joint and one expansion joint. So just to clarify, these joints are control joints cut into the slab after the initial cure. They only penetrate down 30 to 40 millimetres and are aimed at providing a weak point in the slab so that if there's a crack forming, it tends to crack along the control joint. So back to your answer. You may not choose to infill with a rigid material, but what about a corking compound? Drew replies, if they do choose to have them filled, I would install a flexible urethane after the floor had cured. With backing rod, uh, on saw cuts and proper prep of course. Good post by the way. I reply back thanks Drew for the kind words and elaborating on your typical process. So fleshing out that answer if I understand it correctly, I'm in full agreement that if it is an expansion joint, then you you shouldn't be infilling it. You should be reflecting and uh, reflecting that it's an expansion joint it's designed to move in and out, just one way. So you have to end up with a flexible um, expansion joint after you've done your floor. It is possible that if that expansion joint is blown out, busted up, looks, ta- looks bad, not straight and so forth, that you can use um, a, an epoxy resin mortar and infill it and then recut it. If it's badly damaged, then we talk about doing step-in, like cutting chips, meaning that we take a little ledge out on either side of the joint, we fix it up with an epoxy mortar, we grind it flat, and we cut it again. The key point here, and that's what Drew's harping on as well, is that if it's an expansion joint, it's designed to move, so don't infill it we were also talking about infilling control joints, which is more the saw cut. And people have different ideas about whether they want to infill a control joint or not. And um, it probably comes down to the circumstances and how many control joints there are in the slab and, and all sorts of things, including what the client wants. But uh, Drew's point is that even if it is a control joint, he will install a backing rod and use a flexible urethane after the floor is cured. And I fully appreciate that view, and I'm thankful that Drew raised that comment. Um, Joseph Beamer chimes in again on this on this. Um, thread that Drew started on. He says, I agree. I used to sell non-structural lightweight concrete and we really needed a bunch of, uh, really needed a bunch, otherwise that stuff would crack like crazy. Jipcrete performed much better in those days. You couldn't use any coatings that would allow, allow you to use it as a wearing surface. Okay, so he's a little bit of specifics there, and I write thanks, Joe, for your comment, and particularly your insight into other forms of concrete. I don't have a whole lot of experience with lightweight concrete for floors, so I I don't have a lot to add there. Uh, as far as Jipcrete saying it performs better, but Uh, You wouldn't be able to use it without having a wearable. So it's not a trafficable surface. You have to have coatings on there to make it a wearable surface. And that kind of makes sense if it's any form of lightweight material designed for um, loads, not traffic, and it's certainly not structural. Um, So interesting angle there. Um, I don't have too much that I can add to that. Michael Fiorini is a business owner at Firm Foundation Floor Coatings in Ohio, USA. Over 10 years as a business owner will certainly arm you with a lot of broad experience in this industry. A degree in business management will help too. Michael's comment is they are in brackets or in inverted commas, controlled cracks, close inverted commas. I typically try to advise my clients on leaving them, especially if they are tooled in like the ones in the picture. For one, they look good when they're left and breaks up the air and it still acts as a water channel. Lastly, the difference is in the detail and looks like they just squeezed across, sorry, squeegeed across and did not pull excess out of the chip with a chip brush. Okay, so I probably butchered that comment a little bit, but (laughs) I... I'll correct that in a second. Thank you, Michael, for your comment. I like the points you raise about breaking up the area and I had not considered how that might act like a water channel. Looking at the detail is also what I was hoping to get feedback on, so thank you for that pickup. Take care, resin Jack. So, yeah, Michael is, is believing that because they were tooled in at the time of the pour... They are designed to expand and contract. So he's calling them expansion joints. And he could well be right in um, that it, uh, well, I'll, I'll go back one step because the idea of a water channel is interesting. I can't think I've ever heard of other people comment about leaving control joints or even expansion joints like that in as a water channel. But I think that's interesting. Um, The fact that it breaks up the area, yes, that's certainly a practical consideration. And it can also be uh, an attractive element. Um, I have seen too many joints where they're too close together and it looks like a, a little patchwork quilt. Um, which isn't attractive either. So I guess it comes down to the size of the area and and personal preferences. And lastly, I think he's he has picked up on the detail that that is well worth um, highlighting, and that's that he, he says he looks like he just squeegeed across the joint and not pulled the excess out with a chip brush. I think that's quite true because the joint isn't filled to the top. It has a dip in it. Um, So, yeah, he could well be right in the sense that the, the, the installer hasn't committed one way or the other with this. He's just he hasn't corked it. He hasn't treated it like a control joint. He hasn't cleaned it up or straightened it up or anything like that. So it does look like it's a bit of in-between, and that, I guess, is part of what makes this an intriguing post. The last comment comes from um, Josh Jones, and you would uh, be familiar with Josh from previous podcast episodes. He's the president of Substrate Technologies, Inc., in Illinois, USA. Now, with over 29 years of hands-on experience in the concrete prep and polishing, Josh has a lot of valuable insights. And as I often say, the best trade is that he's prepared to share his lessons. He videos all of his posts and um, shares the good and the bad, the ugly. And I've certainly learned a lot from Josh and always appreciate his his input. His comment today is, Pretty simple, nice post, Jack. I fill them, it looks and wears better. I reply, thanks, Josh, for your input. I do see a lot more infilled, sorry, unfilled control joints in the US. So I was not sure what the typical approach is for the US. Thanks again for your comment. And I did raise that earlier that in a lot of photos I see in garages in the US, they will leave these whether it's a control joint or a saw-cut control joint, sorry, an expansion joint or a control joint, they'll leave them unfilled. If you're going to do that and it is a saw-cut control joint, then as Michael rightly puts out, you've got to be mindful of not allowing your resins to just pour into it and give you a, a varying depth joint because that looks unsightly, as it does in this particular photo. Now, um, I did mention earlier in the podcast or at the start that I've been sent photos, and I get sent photos from all sorts of people around the world, so keep them coming. I always appreciate it. And this particular photo is from Alexandra, Alexander um, Todorovic. He's a Managing Director of Pro Floor Epoxy Systems in Sydney, Australia. And the photo is a beauty. It's a custom-coloured flake floor and a play centre. And he couldn't help himself because he saw, firstly, this... I mean, the floor stands out by itself. But then he saw that they had a cut, a saw-cut control joint. And it's done pretty ordinarily, meaning it's not straight and not only is it not straight you can see where they have started and stopped at different places with the saw cut and then yet running parallel to it is a nice, I won't say nice, it is a straighter line that you can see is where they've actually infilled a control joint and the crack has formed in a much straighter line than the saw cut that they did in the floor. So thank you again, Alexander, for sending me that photo. It's a great example of it, and if you're ever gonna infill or, uh, an expansion joint or a control joint, make sure to mark it on the walls so that you can string line it again and get it to sit exactly where it was. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you found it valuable and and informative. This podcast was brought to you by Resin Flooring International. So go to their website, resinfloor.org, that's resinfloor.org, and you'll be able to see a post that has the corresponding images and also the profiles of the different contributors that were mentioned in this podcast. So as always, I'm Resin Jack. Take care and keep smiling.